From Moby.co, this is The Flagship Pod, a weekly podcast about stocks, the economy, and the various market forces shaping the world around you. I'm your host, Peter Starr, bringing you this time yet another solo experience here, as we are still waiting on our intrepid leader, chief analyst, and CEO, Justin Kramer, to get back from a bit of personal leave. We got an overwhelming amount of positive feedback about these solo episodes, so don't expect them to be like the actual future moving forward, but we feel pretty comfortable about doing these instead of shoehorning other guests. They'll just be one more of these after this one and I'll be back to normal. Again, if you don't like these, we would really like to hear from you because again, we've received zero negative feedback and honestly, that feels kind of weird in the internet age. So even if you have to make it up, can you give us some negative feedback on these style of episodes? It would honestly help us out a lot. Moving forward. So instead of a conversation about the economy, expect this to be a look back at last week in the economy and looking forward to next week in the economy, which is honestly defined by by very few specific moments and more by nebulous narratives. So let's go ahead and get into that. First and foremost, let's talk about last week and the macro economy, and that's the big, big news, right? Last week, we got a CPI print that was genuinely relieving. We saw inflation flatten out month over month and only come in at 8.5% year over year, which compared to last month's 9.1 is honestly amazing. Of course, back in March when we had 8.5% inflation, that felt like the apocalypse. So it gives you a sense of how far we've come in terms of dealing with this downturn. The Nasdaq and S&P have entered right back into bull terror and ripped upwards to the back half of last week, but that appears to be flattening out now, especially with us looking forward to next week. And so before we get into what's happening next week, it's already starting to make the market worry a little bit. Let's dive into that CPI number, because the main thing is just watching fuel and energy prices go down significantly. That was the principal driver for every other part of the CPI, and they have not cratered, so to speak, but they've gone down significantly. More importantly, as seasonality takes over, we can kind of anticipate fuel and oil prices continuing to go down as demand evens out and flattens across the fall, but as the potential to spike a little bit on the natural gas side as winter sets in. Again, we're in a very dynamic and unprecedented energy situation, so it remains to be seen how exactly this is going to play out. It's really encouraging news and genuinely vindicating for analysts who have seen this more supply-side inflation as opposed to more genuine broad-based inflation based on straight-up spending. However, if inflation doesn't decelerate fast enough, we can probably account for a lot of the government spending we saw in 2020 and 2021 being a pretty big part of that. It definitely remains to be seen, though. It also can be argued that all of the money that got shoved into the economy either went to necessities or into the stock market, and the stock market has at least shed a lot of that heat in the past six to eight months, right? And so the main question everyone's asking themselves moving forward is, okay, are we back in bull times? This is kind of a little fake-out recession just to make us kind of question the global order for a hot second, or is this just another bull trap? And traditionally, bull traps that happen during a bear market, that is, periods of the market doing a little bit better right before the bear situation resumes, typically do about the same amount that we've seen so far, so it would make sense historically if the market went back down, but at the same time, none of the indicators make sense historically in this moment, so it genuinely remains to be seen, right? You do have to dig pretty deep to find more genuine, okay, the bear market is really, really going to continue from here. Employment in the U.S. remains resolute, despite a large cohort of our higher earners getting axed during this big tech layoff sequence we're seeing right now. Lots of areas of consumer demand before just kind of refused to go down while everything else necessities-wise became more and more expensive. So this is just a genuinely weird inflation situation. Moving forward, the next week is going to show us quite a bit about where we are in this market and potentially kind of resume a little bit more of that bear territory. We're already seeing futures fall a little bit as we go into this week because we're going into the very, very, in this case, probably bitter end of earnings season for Q2 2022 as retailers like Home Depot, 
Walmart, and Target are going to be reporting their earnings this week. Of course, Walmart basically spooked the whole market way back in mid-July when they announced they were anticipating, you know, much lower earnings. We're anticipating both Walmart and Target, who are holding on to absolutely massive, massive inventories, to go down in the short term. Because while, you know, we're seeing a lot of bull sentiment creep back into the market, it is genuinely hard being a retailer right now. You may remember how badly Home Depot got hammered in 2020 and 2021 when lumber prices absolutely skyrocketed, making every other aspect of construction, home improvement, whatever, way more expensive. Those commodity prices have gone down and eased a lot of that pressure, but we're going to see a lot of reverberations from that, and so trying to watch these retailers recover from this is going to be very interesting. The most important thing we need to keep in mind, though, is wondering how long these retail pressures are going to last. Because we're seeing a little bit of the pressure come off on the energy side, can retailers put it together on the supply side as well? Will our supply chains finally get their act back together? But that genuinely remains to be seen, and since these earnings calls are going to be for Q2 2022 and not Q3, we're going to be seeing a lot of negative guidance, almost certainly. For a lot of these retailers, it is once again going to come down to Black Friday and seeing if that holiday season can at least salvage something from this. Obviously, we're going to see a lot of lower prices from a lot of these retailers as they stockpiled a lot of inventory during the midpoint of the supply chain crisis, which coincided pretty badly with inflation making necessities so expensive that people weren't buying more of the mid-range things you'd expect from a Walmart or Target type retailer. And so you as an investor simply have a choice to make. If you already have positions in these retailers, and obviously here at Moby.co we have one in Home De- we have one that we've been we have one in Home Depot that we've been nursing for quite a while. The main question is should you just hold or should you anticipate retail getting its act together eventually and consider this kind of a bottom and keep buying? We're not giving any particular calls here, and obviously this podcast has never been financial advice. It's been a way for you to help supplement your own research and understand how to play this. But as you look at the numbers and as you watch these earnings calls come in, the thing you need to be thinking about here is the margin side of the equation. Obviously, despite how massive Walmart is, their margins are absolutely razor thin, and any added expense is always going to be hurting them a bunch, because the Herculean act of moving that much product over that many stores is absolutely mind-boggling and very expensive, no matter how high their revenue is. And so it's always been a deep balancing act over there. So either A, this is a temporary, potentially years-long, long bear period for retail in general, where these companies are just going to be severely undervalued by a market that's losing faith in physical commerce, or B, this is a temporary setback while supply chains slowly get their act back together, or, you know, we get more protectionist in our trade policies, and we find a new, slightly different supply chain paradigm that's, you know, less likely to break down thanks to an ongoing, hard-to-manage global pandemic. That remains to be seen, and that's honestly very thorny. But in the short term, this week is probably going to be a little bit bearish, as retail sentiment clowns the good vibes that the overall inflation situation has brought the market in the past week and a half, right? Probably not enough to completely tank the market or anything and resume the bear period. If this is a full-on recession, full-on bear market, it's that moment where the market really resumes the sell-off, it's going to be either A, a point where the market finally decides that the team of the Fed has gone too far and raised rates too much and just crashes the market in response to another 50 to 75 basis point hike, or it's going to come in October when, after a full six months of real deep inflation, we see how well most of the economy has responded to those higher expenses. And so Q3 earnings are going to be the real bellwether for if to see if these companies can handle these new expenses. 
end of tech and some forms of retail can come back with at least vaguely positive news and the market will kind of ignore inflation and the bull party will continue or B, you know, bear sentiment will take over and take the economy right before the midterms, which will be super fun for America, let me tell you what. And so that kind of gets you into the mindset of the gamble that our current political structure is making in terms of the Democratic Party trying to retain power here and the Republican Party, you know, basically trying to make the argument that these policies don't work out. Again, you're not going to get any political recommendations from us. The market is inherently political, but you're going to get a diversity of political opinions from Moby.co because, again, we're just calling balls and strikes and giving you narratives, right? So so the main reason we talk more about the Democrats is because, you know, they're the folks in power right now. Moving on from there, though, that does get us into sort of the second half here. We have a macro environment that's very much in a balancing act based on supply chains, based on inflation, and based on how well our Federal Reserve System can cause a soft landing, if that's even possible at all. No way to know where we are in that. If things are really bad, then retail sentiment this week will completely resume a bear run. If things are just kind of halfway bad, then we'll get a little bit of a sell-off in retail, while other assets and stocks kind of maintain their value and move sideways, while the market just kind of drifts sideways until October. And rather than, you know, waiting for that to happen, the main thing we need to do is start trying to find longer term narratives so that we can make these longer term investments that are not guaranteed to play out, but at least play into the long game as we watch, again, this very weird economy march through this even weirder period of history. And so that's where you're getting a big sequence of posts from us over at Moby.co. Again, if you're listening to this as a member, check out your app and you'll see one post from last week I'll talk about in a second, and one post from this week upcoming where we discuss these new narratives that are emerging in our macro moment that can at least produce long-term results, not regardless of economic situations, but, you know, more likely than not produce positive outcomes, one of which already really is starting to play off thanks to just the news of last week. If you aren't currently a member of Moby.co and are just listening to this podcast, you know, feel free to hit us up. You can also go to Moby.co slash go and get a free trial and kind of understand how we do what we do here, the portfolios we're developing, the narratives we're developing, as well as all the research we put out to try to, you know, give you clarity about the market. That's as much of an ad as I'm going to do here. I don't want to sort of belabor the point. You're already being super patient by listening to one guy yak at you for 25 and or 30 minutes. So let's just get right into the actual narratives. So the first genuine narrative is a lot of world governments looking at how badly globalization got just punched in the mouth by coronavirus and lockdowns and wondering if we need to become more protectionist in our policies. That is becoming more insular and more self-sufficient, sort of the more conservative side of the coin kind of winning out. Of course, globalization benefits both conservative worldviews and liberal worldviews alike, but definitely becoming more insular, more na- more air quotes nationalistic is more of a conservative bent to is a more conservative bent to the sort of military policy side of the coin. And so if you look at that, that kind of and so when you look at that and you look at the way that the US government has been talking about how they're going to play this moment in history, as we watch the Russian situation grind out the way it is, and as we watch China start flirting with devouring Taiwan as the US keeps sending more and more Congress folk over there, the number one thing that's going to happen with this is we all become more protectionist and we all do more defense spending. And so the U.S., you know, won't like pull away from its strategic partners or anything. But if you increase defense spending in the U.S., you will also increase arms sales to our strategic partners within various regions of the globe to make sure we can at least advance American interests through this new period. And so the 
post we put out last week was about Lockheed Martin, who of all of the arms manufacturers who stand to benefit from a more protectionist stance, they're pretty well up there considering a lot of their revenue now comes from from their airplanes division. You can check that post out and see how we're kind of anticipating more F-35 sales, more F-16 sales, and just more aircraft sales in general that will help, you know, give Lockheed Martin a solid revenue base for the next at least five, to, for, the, for the next at least three to five years, which gives them a strong long-term outlook that our analysts are fairly confident about, given which way the wind is blowing. In the exact same breath, the other thing we're seeing is a staggering increase in investment in climate policy, which came from the Inflation Reduction Act actually finding a way to pass last week, which is genuinely wild. Of course, this is one of those classic political moves that kind of makes zero people happy in, in a small way. Obviously, people more on the progressive side of the Democratic Party were hoping for the $10 trillion package that included tens of thousands of jobs in the civilian climate corps and, and had much more aggressive decarbonization policies, which is tough because the technology to decarbonize doesn't fully exist yet in a way that can actually scale. Look, I don't want to get too deep into this. Again, I'm going to make any number of people mad talking about all things climate, right? The objective fact here is this is the single biggest investment in climate policy any nation has made ever. Obviously, per capita, certain countries in Europe have made bigger investments, but, you know, dollar for dollar, this is the biggest one. And it's going to be genuinely interesting to see this side of the Democratic Party because a lot of climate policy so far has been more stick than carrot, and now policy is shifting to more carrot than stick, i.e. we're seeing a lot of incentives being baked into the Inflation Reduction Act that help develop the U.S. economy towards something that can at least, you know, begin tackling climate change. Whether or not that's fast enough or even advisable is whatever, and obviously we're not going to decarbonize overnight because that would lead to a lot more misery than actual global climate change. A lot of everything we do is going to depend on coal and fossil fuels for a while just because it's very hard to replace those very, very efficient fuel sources. So so just keep that in mind. So we're going to strip away all of that and just kind of look at some of the biggest stimuluses we see. And the biggest one, of course, is for hydrogen, specifically green hydrogen. I don't want to get into the specifics of that, but hydrogen's pretty great. It's just that right now making hydrogen, you know, requires you to burn fossil fuels to make that hydrogen. So net net, you're still burning carbon to get you know, in air quotes, green fuel. The greenest producers of hydrogen right now are actually an old standby of Moby.co, that's Plug Power, whose stock absolutely started ripping post the pass of the Inflation Reduction Act as the market started to realize just how big the stimuluses are going to be for hydrogen and specifically green hydrogen. The main thing that was really holding Plug Power back was they were investing very heavily in going as broad as possible. And so expenses for Plug Power have been crazy high. However, checking out the stimuluses in the Inflation Reduction Act, what we're seeing is a path for Plug Power to basically cut their costs of making green hydrogen in half basically a decade sooner than anticipated. So that's why you're watching the market just jump on these folks. And once again, I'm just very impressed with our analysts here at Moby.com who were on top of this way before. Plug Power is also being uplifted by the tailwinds of them being involved in Europe too. Europe being the continent in desperate need of other forms of energy because things are so bad in Europe right now that in certain parts of France, even though they invested in nuclear, some areas of France are now literally too hot for nuclear power plants to work because of how hot the water gets, uh, which is a really weird edge case and not something that's going to like continue 
but it's something genuinely wild, watching how our global climate and global energy needs are evolving. And so what you're seeing with all of this is kind of a very bizarre hybrid of the Democratic Party. You're getting simultaneously Lyndon Johnson's Democrats and Jimmy Carter's Democrats. Um, some of you will say that is the worst of both worlds. I'll say it's just weird, man. Like, they were not joking when they said this is an unprecedented moment in history. Of course, it's not just hydrogen as well. It's also a lot of good investment for wind and solar. It's just, you know, not as big of a huge jump as it would be for green hydrogen. So we're excited to see Sunrun pop off here. The interesting dark horse in all of this is going to, of course, be actually oil and gas companies, either Exxon or Chevron. Whoever figures out a scalable way to do carbon capture is going to get a huge boon from this. So can you imagine, you know, Exxon and or Chevron being some of the biggest winners of the climate bill? It's an interesting little dose of irony, but again, it, does, it doesn't necessarily have to be them. It just seems like they are the companies with the most resources to figure out carbon capture, which is another essential part of making sure that global temperatures don't get out of control. We put a bunch of carbon into the atmosphere. Yes, it's important to stop putting that carbon in the atmosphere, but we can't just like turn on a dime. We should probably find a way to get that carbon out of the atmosphere. But how do you do that without putting more carbon in the atmosphere? Stay tuned on that as we kind of figure out who's playing that game. Again, we need to see a way cheaper and more scalable form of that technology before anyone actually gets excited here. So you're getting a lot of military spending. You're getting a pretty decent amount of climate investment. Of course, if you're more on the progressive side, you will say you wanted to see more. If you're more on the conservative side, you're probably saying, hey, man, spending's out of control already. What the heck? And that kind of remains to be seen as well, because what is driving the bus of inflation has genuinely shown to be more supply side. But if we see inflation kind of linger on, then we can say with a lot of confidence that all of our spending is still having an effect here. And so it will dampen the interest in making these kinds of stimuluses moving forward. But again, that remains to be seen. There needs to be a lot more data. There just needs to be a lot more data about that. I cannot express enough how genuinely weird this moment is and how much it just feels like the back half of August here is a breath between two beats of the market as we get that good news about inflation and then wait for seeing how the actual market is going to maintain its growth moving forward into October. It really all comes down to earnings season and the very first weeks of October and then I'll kind of determine where everything goes, both economically and politically. If we see earnings just not meet expectations in October, then we will see an extended bear period that will absolutely be declared to be a recession that will last at least until Q2 2023. We'll absolutely see the Democrats get washed in midterm elections here in America, with the bad vibes just kind of continuing for a while. However, if companies put it all together and find a way to exceed some level of expectations come October, then bulls are back, baby. I don't know what else to tell you, honestly. There may still be some sideways motion in retail, but a lot of other sectors of the economy can kind of carry retail through the rest of this. But again, in the short term, we're anticipating a lot of these energy companies to keep ripping off of good news from the Inflation Reduction Act. We're basically anticipating sideways to downward motion from major retailers coming out of earnings season, which may make the whole market level off this whole bull run, but hey, we've been wrong before. The earnings call we're watching the closest is Home Depot because that can genuinely go either way. We're obviously, we've obviously been very impressed with how Home Depot has managed their supply chain issues. Regardless, at the very least, this is going to be an interesting period to be watching the market and being an investor. And that genuinely feels like a good place to end it. Because if the market goes sideways, it'll kind of drive crypto sideways a little bit too. The main thing that's going to affect the crypto market isn't happening until the end of September, and that's the Ethereum merge, which is showing a lot of bull sentiment right now, but has a lot of split sentiment going into it. We'll explain more about that in a post this week and potentially have our entire solo experience podcast be about that instead of the fork on the road we're seeing in crypto right now. Again, that remains to be seen. Regardless, if you have any questions, you can always feel free to hit us up at hello at moby.co. Again, if you liked this solo experience episode, please let us know. It's, it's really important to get feedback 
from y'all about this. If you listened all the way to the end here, I especially want to hear from you because you got a sense of the whole flow of this. And again, don't be shy about negative feedback as well. We really want to make sure we're giving our audience the best possible product. And the only way we get better is with, you know, constructive feedback. So we really appreciate you for listening this far, and we appreciate any kind of feedback you have. So again, hit us up at helloatmobi.co. Hit us up over at our Discord. Feel free to leave comments on the post below as well. But for now, that's a pretty solid place to end it. So just so you know, this post was entirely solo produced and voiced and researched by me, Peter Starr. All of the intellectual core of our research comes from our analyst team, which is headed up by our CEO, co-founder, and chief analyst, Justin Kramer. You can find us over on Instagram and TikTok as well as we experiment with more snackable ways of getting the market out. But again, if you want to get the really good stuff, you can head over to moby.co slash go and sign up for a free trial if you're already a moby.co member. Stick with us for the rest of this week as we get you through some more interesting green market as well as retail as well as crypto news. But for now, folks, it seems like a pretty solid place to end it. And as always, we'd like to leave you with peace, love, and incremental gains. Everyone be well. Thank you so much.